you don't have to be worried. Stewardship season doesn't begin for about another month. So we will not be looking at the gospel lesson for today because I think that our letter from St. Paul to St. Timothy has something for us. And it works this way. Sometimes to outsiders of the Christian faith, there are things that we say and do that sometimes seem somewhat confusing. For example, we gather together on a specific day of the week to worship a God whom we can't see. We, as the church, engage in charity work that, as the former Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, reminded us, is for the benefit of those who are not members of the church, making it unique among other charities, particularly in the 1940s when he is reputed as to make this observation. There are sacramental rites, such as baptism, the Holy Eucharist that we are participating in now, confirmation, marriage, and others where we look for and recognize Christ our Lord as being present in visible signs. But chiefly, and I think that this is the case, chiefly confusing among people who are not people of faith is our exercise of prayer. Now, I'm already in a bit of trouble because I've just called prayer an exercise. And sometimes exercises carry a negative connotation. We get the image of jumping jacks or math problems or even the dreaded team building exercises. But in terms of prayer, I want us to think of prayer as an exercise that helps us develop that sometimes to us might even seem pointless or silly or even is just not for me but to develop exercises to practice it because it is truly vital in our christian lives and our being connected to the triune god in whom we live and move and have our being so to begin it might be best to start by answering the question what is prayer well, prayer is many things. First, prayer is a conversation with God. But it isn't just the flippant or sometimes urbane conversations that we have with each other about how the family is doing or how the weather is or how well the Dallas Cowboys played last weekend. Rather, prayer is a surrendering of yourself, an opening of yourself. And the conversation not just about what I want or what I need or what I think might be nice, but it's about what God is desiring, what God does indeed need from us. And surrendering our will to him, constantly saying, thy will be done. But that is just the beginning of what prayer is. Prayer is also something we do for others. And this is where our epistle from St. Paul to St. Timothy helps put words to things that we know, but we sometimes have a hard time explaining what it is that we're doing. St. Paul exhorts St. Timothy and us to be rendering supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving for others, not necessarily for ourselves. 
Prayer is sometimes something we do for and on behalf of someone else. The most common of this list is probably intercessions. Prayers that we pray for and sometimes with others in our lives or whom have asked this community to pray for. In our service leaflet, there is a list of people who we have been asked to pray for, to pray on their behalf. Many of these people, we as a parish, don't know. But yet they have approached us, either online or through the food pantry, or as friends of our members to ask us to intercede to God for them. And that is the word that we use in the church. When someone says to you, would you please pray for me? What they are asking is, would you intercede to God on my behalf? That is why it is so critical that when we list these people or when someone approaches you personally and asks for prayer, that you follow through with it. You can think of it this way if it would help. Someone has asked you to get in touch with the king of the universe to plead for help because they know that you have a relationship with God. And when you've said yes to that action, you have committed to it. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be illness or the approaching death of a loved one. Perhaps the loss of a job and the impending foreclosure of the house they live in. Maybe the angst of knowing that their child is in danger and trouble with the authorities. It could be anything. And when we commit to praying, we are tasked with what is truly one of the most high honors that can be given to a mere mortal man. But Paul also lists supplication, which is another form of prayer. But this is slightly more personal. It's the prayers that we offer to God on our own because of the importance that something, someone, or some office holds in our lives. These are the prayers that we make for the church, for our bishops, for the clergy, dare I say, for me as your priest. It is also the prayers that we say when we're asking God to guide the leaders and the rulers of the nations of the world. It's the prayers that we say for the President of the United States and the Congress, regardless of which, power is in, uh, which party is in power. It is the supplications we make for the war in Ukraine to cease, for the rains to come at the proper times, for the people we love simply because we love them. When we pray using words like, Almighty God, we pray for all people in their various conditions and that you may guide and direct them as may be best for us and for them. You are indeed praying for every living, breathing human being. And Almighty God does indeed hear those prayers. But something I think that we are not very good at, and we sometimes forget to do each day is to give thanks, to pray prayers of thanksgiving for all the blessings of this life. And if we're 
good at prayer, it seems like to me that we're good at petition and intercession and supplication. We know how to do that. It almost seems to come naturally at times. But giving thanks to God seems to take practice because it's different. It seems like it's the exercise is needed there for those muscles to learn how to do the same thing over and over again through repetition. And it's part of the lesson about the ten lepers who came to Jesus to be healed with only one returning to give thanks to the incarnate God for his health. One of my personal criticisms with our current Book of Common Prayer is the rather small and somewhat lackluster aids and guides to thanksgivings that are presented to us, especially when we compare it to the previous books of common prayer. For example, in the 1979, the book that all of us are using today, all of the previous prayer books, including ours, had prayers for rain, a prayer that we may receive the fruits of the earth. However, this prayer book, unlike all the previous ones, has removed the thanksgiving for rain, a theological flaw that has crept into our modern lives. And remembering one of the founding principles of our faith, the Latin phrase, lex orande, lex credendi, it's the law of prayer that is the law of our belief. Or to put it another way, Praying shapes believing. So where does all of this leave us? Well, first, I think we all need to examine and re-examine not only our prayers, but the care that we take when we say our prayers. This liturgy, for example, is one long prayer. How do we approach coming to this liturgy? How do we approach every time we gather in this space. And then the question is, do you pray? Do you pray daily? Do you even think about praying? And we sometimes hear people talking about their prayer lives and how they pray five minutes a day or 20 minutes a day or maybe even an hour a day. And it is sometimes a question that is asked of our national figures like the president with either awe or with skepticism about their prayer life. But once again, our words tell us a lie about what we're really trying to say, what we really mean, what the Christian faith teaches. We are not supposed to have a prayer life a compartment for prayer that occupies, occupies this space and none other. We compartmentalize our lives already from our work life to our home life to our social life and dare I say, to our online lives. Rather, Christians are to develop a life of prayer, becoming constant, unceasing beings of prayer. And the reason why we try to cultivate this life of prayer is because prayer is about seeking to be in the deepest and fullest relationship with God. It's like being married. 
and I'm going to have to warn you, not being married, I'm approaching this with caution. But it is like being married. When Bill goes to work or when Sally goes on a trip, they're still husband and wife. They may not be physically with each other, but they have a relationship that binds them together. And now with the advances of technology, there's connection that they can establish between themselves via text messages, emails, FaceTime, and Zoom, not to mention snail mail. They might not be together, but they are still husband and wife in a connection that we pray during the marriage liturgy is never severed. But if Bill begins to compartmentalize his life in such a way that Sally is only his wife when they are together, well, then all sorts of wicked things might start to happen. Prayer is the relationship, the link that we share in Christ through the Holy Spirit to God. It is the constant awareness of who we are and what we are and why we exist, and for whom we are made. You might be asking, or at least I, I hope you're asking, how can I become more healthy in my prayer life, in my life of prayer? Where do I begin? Well, first, you have already begun. You're here, and that's one of the first steps. But while prayer can be done alone, one way to strengthen that bond is through community. So come back this evening for evening prayer at 4 o'clock and join us on Wednesdays for our midweek Eucharist at 5.30, especially when we are anointing the sick. And consciously exercise your soul, perhaps even by setting an alarm to say prayers every hour, every two hours, throughout your day. Or you can use something like a rosary or a small cross in your pocket to help remind you of your duty to pray. Take home the service leaflet and call to mind those on our intercessory prayer list. You see, that's part of the secret, you will, of prayer. It's easy to start. Praying is easy to start, but like most exercises, it's hard to stick with it day after day after day. In a few moments, we will say prayers that are rather intentional, with a bidding to these prayers by our lay Eucharistic minister. Take the time to think and to name aloud those whom we and you are praying for. Name our bishops on your lips. Pray for the leaders of the nations of the world by name. Call out, cry unto God if you need to, the names of those who are hurting or are in any danger or trouble. But be intentional. Be ready to lay at the feet of the Almighty the prayers, the cries, the thanksgivings of your heart. And in doing so, 
Listen also for God's own voice, the groaning of the Holy Spirit, as St. Paul calls calls it, to not only answer, but also to guide you in your life of prayer. Let us, the parish church of St. Christopher, of all the parishes and churches that we know in this city and in this diocese, let us be the parish that is known for prayer. Let me urge you, as St. Paul urged St. Timothy, to make supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving for everyone for kings, for presidents, for our lives, and that all people may come to the knowledge of the love of God. But above all, in our prayers, let us give thanks to God for the inestimable love of our Lord Jesus Christ as he showed us in the redemption of the world for the means of grace and for the hope glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.